So Jesus is coming into town on Palm Sunday. He's hailed as the king of the Jews, which he was. But, you know, why is everybody so happy? I mean, Jesus had, had come into Jerusalem before. This wasn't the first time that he'd been there. And he wasn't always hailed as a king. So I got to thinking, why, you know, why did all this happen? What's going on? What's the backstory? Um, well, I want to show you, there's a map here I want to get up on the screen, just so you can give you a point of reference. We see Jerusalem right there. There's this little town called Bethany, which is just a mile or two, a couple miles from Jerusalem. And, uh, and then off to the right, we've got the Jordan River and things like that. And JR and company were just in Israel uh, this week, and they just got back safe and sound. We praise God for that. And so I'm sure this looks all pretty familiar to them. And the next slide here shows a picture... Now, this picture was just taken like three days ago. Okay, so this is what it looks like right now. If you're in Israel, in in Jerusalem, I'm sorry, kind of looking out over the Mount of Olives on the left, on the top left is the Mount of Olives. And just beyond that is Bethany, where our story takes place today. So you can kind of really see this place really did exist. It's very cool. All right, so that's what it looks like right now. So let's go back. We're going to go back to chapter 11 in John and see what happened just before this triumphal entry. All right? Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, The sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, a short while ago the Jews were trying to stone you. Yet you are going back. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks by night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleep, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Adam, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, Elohim will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. 
Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Adon. I believe that you are Mashiach, the son of Elohim, the coming one. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews, who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell to his feet and said, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But at dawn, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there will be a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. <gasps> the dead man came out. It's a ghost. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Amen. <clears throat> Didn't know Alice could scream that loud, did you? <laughs> you should have heard her at practice. It was really good. You know, it was amazing, isn't it? You know, after four days, 
Lazarus is raised from the dead. That's a pretty big miracle. Lots of people believe, they come to believe that Jesus is who he said he was, the Messiah, the Son of God. Now this story we just saw portrayed happened a couple months before Palm Sunday. Probably two, three, four months before. And in the spring, Jesus was coming back into town to celebrate the Passover. And Mary and Martha and Lazarus, who is now alive, got wind of this. So they, they say, let's throw him a party. So they did. They threw him a party. They invited all their friends and relatives. The Jews who were coming into town got wind of it. They all came over. And you know, it was funny. The, the word tells us that the people came to see Jesus, yeah, but they really wanted to see Lazarus. They really wanted to see this guy that was raised from the dead. They heard all these stories, and that's who they wanted to see. And in verse uh, chapter 12, 17, it says this. It says, The crowd that was with Jesus when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. So they were the first evangelists. You know, they were out telling people about Jesus. It was amazing. And it was this same group of people, the ones who witnessed the resurrection of Lazarus, that kind of ushered Jesus into town that day and said, Hosanna! You are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. And it was this same crowd which caused many other Jews to come to faith and to believe. And we hear this theme of belief over and over again in this story. So today we want to take a look at belief. And we want to say, what does belief really mean? You know, what does it, what does it look like in practical terms? And what kind of believer, you know, does Jesus want you and I to be today. Now, just in case you misunderstood me, I didn't say believer, okay? <laughs> All right, this is, if you're a follower of Justin Bieber, do we have any Justin Bieber followers here? Oh, come on, I saw one hand. All right. All right, they're believers. I mean, they're believers, right? That's not what we're talking about. Um, in fact, I read a little thing on the internet that said, true believers make a very clear distinction. They said, if you're just a fan, you just sort of like Justin, but if you're a believer, you, he's your man, all right? You would give your life for him, so there is a distinction there. All right, so believers, believers love Jesus. That's one of the first things I, I think we see in this story. Throughout this story, it, it says that Martha and Mary, they loved Jesus, and Jesus loved them. We can see this by what they did. I mean, they are thrown a party for Jesus, there's a, sec- a section where it says Mary anointed Jesus' feet with costly perfume and then wiped his feet with her hair. I mean, how many people would do that? They had this loving relationship with Jesus. And I believe that's a sign of true belief. It's all about relationship. It's not just about head knowledge or some casual belief that, you know, God exists. You know, yeah, I believe in him. I mean, I run into people with some regularity who say, I believe. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. So we get into these conversations. And then when I dig a little deeper, then I, they'll sometimes say something like, well, I'm not really religious, but I'm kind of spiritual. You know, I'm a spiritual person. Okay. And then they sometimes, this one guy I ran into, he said, well, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, he's awesome. And you know what? This Allah guy, he's kind of cool. And you know, Buddha, he, he had a lot of wisdom. He had some really neat things to say. And this Muhammad, yeah, he was a prophet like Jesus. I mean, don't, don't all of these people 
kind of lead to the same place? Don't all paths lead to the same God? Don't we all worship, you know, the same God? Well, friends, that's really not biblical belief, is it? You know, the Bible says that, you know, biblical belief says, Jesus, you know, I realize that at my core I'm a sinful person, and, and as a response to your forgiveness and your, your redemption in my life, I, I understand I'm saved by your grace and your mercy. So in return, I'm going to love you for that. I'm going to commit my life and my heart and my soul to you. I'm going to be devoted to you. I think that's more what biblical belief is all about. So true believers want to develop that, that loving relationship with God. Now, I think sometimes God might be looking down on us as people and saying this in the next slide. He's, he's kind of like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I forgot. I only exist when you need something. All right, sometimes we as humans, we only go to God when we're in need. So, you know, we really need to develop and cultivate that loving relationship with God all the time. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, Jesus wants us to come to him. That's part of that loving relationship, is understanding we can run to him in times of need. In fact, in Matthew uh, chapter 11, it says this. Jesus says, Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We see it in the story of Mary and Martha. In verse 3 of John 11, it says, The sisters sent word to Jesus. He said, Jesus, the one you love, Lazarus, he is sick. They knew who to go to. In time of need, the sisters loved Jesus, and in that love, they kind of they knew who to go to. They ran to him. Now, sometimes we may run to Jesus, but how how often do we kind of look at other things too? We might look at you know the philosophy of the day. We might look towards you know things like psychology. You know, trying to figure out man's problems, man's ways, using man's methods. We might turn to the horoscope. I don't know, some people kind of flip through the paper once a month and they're like, man, what's my month going to look like? I guess I'll look at the horoscope. Okay, we run to things like that. Maybe new age thinking, humanism. There's so many things that we can run to in our culture and in this day and age. Or do we run to Jesus? Do we call on Jesus? I love this one song that we sing here at Renew. In fact, I think we're going to sing it later today. It's called Forever Rain. And I love the the chorus to that song because it says, Oh, I'm running to your arms. I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. And I love that imagery, that picture where, you know, in times of need, it's okay to go running to Jesus and to fall at his feet like Mary did and just say, Lord, you are who I need. So believers do that. We call on Jesus. In times of need. Now we also see something else here that, that believers do. Um, believers, I believe, have, have a sense of loyalty to Jesus. And again, we see this played out in the story. Martha and Mary are going through a really, really difficult time. They just lost their brother. He had died. So they're going through this terrible, terrible time. The disciples are going through a time of, of questioning and, and suffering as well. In verses 6 to 8, it says this. When he, Jesus, heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews were 
there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Well, see, a couple months before this had happened, if we can have the map up again, a couple months before the Lazarus story happened, Jesus and his disciples were hanging out in Jerusalem. Okay, they were in there. And Jesus was saying some pretty radical things to the leaders of the Pharisees and things like that. He was saying things like, I'm the Son of God. You know, God and I, you know, I am one with the Father. And they had this dialogue going on. And, of course, the leaders were like, that's heresy. You can't say that you are one with God. Only the Messiah can say that. And they didn't really see him as that, so they wanted to stone him to death. They literally wanted to start, you know, they wanted to kill him. Now, of course, it wasn't Jesus' time to go yet. So they miraculously slipped out of Jerusalem and they headed east. The Bible says they headed east across the Jordan somewhere. We don't know exactly where they landed because they were in hiding. They were wanted criminals at this point. The Jews were, were plotting and planning. How do we get rid of this guy? People are starting to believe in him. So they're hiding out here somewhere. And that's why the ladies had to send a messenger over to find them, to call them, to come heal Lazarus. So the disciples knew they were in real danger. When they heard the messenger say, come out of hiding and go back to Judea, they were like, Jesus, you don't really want to do that because you could get stoned to death. And I think they're thinking, well, we could get stoned to death too. You know, this is a dangerous place. But they were, I think they were kind of looking at this situation through their own eyes, through their own circumstance, through their own feelings. But Jesus is looking at it through his perspective. And he's saying, look, guys, I know it's dangerous back there, but I've got a mission. You know, I've got to go back there so that God the Father can be glorified. And we've got to go back there so that you can believe, so that other people can believe that I'm the Messiah, that I'm the one, so they can put their faith in me. And you know what? That's worth getting stoned to death for. And now, of course, Jesus knew that wasn't going to happen. So eventually, Thomas, one of the disciples, you know, doubting Thomas, as he's sometimes called, he actually makes a pretty bold proclamation here, a a pretty bold demonstration of his faith and his loyalty to Jesus. He stands up and says, Okay, disciples, he says this to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, so that we may die with him. I mean, can you imagine that? They're fully convinced they're going to go back to Judea and get killed. That's pretty loyal, isn't it? And I think that's a, a mark of a true believer, is loyalty to Christ and to his kingdom and to things of God. You know, would you and I, would we die for Jesus? You know, what if this afternoon we got into a situation that where our, someone called us on the carpet and said, look, you either renounce your faith or you give up your life. What would we do? That happens in this day and age. It really does. What would we do? Do we hang in there with Jesus when times get tough? Or do we want to kind of pick up our selves and go bail out on him and go run away? Well, thankfully, none of us yet have been called to give up our physical life for Jesus. And, you know, praise God for that. There may be a day coming where that happens. I don't know. But nevertheless, we all go through times of pain. We all go through times of suffering. We all have stuff going on in our lives. We all have uncertainties. Have you ever, have you ever said this to God? Have you ever said this to Jesus? You know, Jesus, if you would have just shown up, then fill in the blank. 
this would have happened or this wouldn't have happened. You know, Lord, if you would have just shown up, maybe, you know, my marriage wouldn't have fallen apart. God, if you would have just shown up, then, you know, maybe my child wouldn't have gotten sick. Or, Lord, if you would have just shown up, you know, maybe my boyfriend or girlfriend wouldn't have dumped me. You know, fill in the blank. I think we all go through those times, don't we? Well, one thing that I've learned, and I think we see in this story, is that sometimes it is in Jesus' absence where our faith can really grow, maybe even at its best. It's those times where, where we're tried, where we're tested, where our belief and our faith can really grow. Look at Martha and Mary. Let's go back to them. They sent a messenger. They sent a guy to, to go find Jesus wherever he was hiding out and give him this message that Lazarus was sick. And when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and his sister Mary and Lazarus. So when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed there for two more days. He stayed there for two more days? You know, talk about times of uncertainty. Is that any way to show body you love them? You find out they're sick, you've got the power to heal them and make them well, and you just kind of hang out for another two more days? You know, the, the disciples must have been thinking, what's going on? What did Martha and Mary feel when you know, Jesus finally did show up? You know, they're like, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, in verse 21, she says, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Mary told him the exact same thing. Now, I don't know exactly what their mindset was at that point in time. I don't know exactly what they were thinking. You know, did they say this in sort of a bitter way, like kind of beating up on Jesus, like chastising Jesus? And saying, man, if you would have just shown up the way I wanted you to in my time frame and healed Lazarus the way I wanted you to, everything would have been fine. You know, were they kind of beating up on him? And do we do that too? We ask these questions. And we're sort of beating up on Jesus and says, why don't you do this? It's like sometimes I think, you know, we know what's best for us. You know, we know what's best for us. And Jesus, if you love me, you'll fix my problem the way I want it fixed right now. You know, we're kind of like, Mary and Martha in that way. But Jesus is saying, in times of uncertainty, in times of doubt, in times of need, maybe we need to have a little different perspective. Maybe we need to say, God, okay, you're not fixing it the way I want you to. But God, how could you be glorified in this situation? Maybe, maybe this is something I need to go through so that you can be glorified. And Lord, how can my belief, how can my faith be raised to another level by this thing that I'm going through. And maybe we need to say, God, could I be so bold as to say, maybe this thing that I'm going through could raise somebody else's belief to another level. Maybe that's the way God wants us to look at life. In fact, Jesus said in verse 14, he says, I'm glad that I was not there to heal Lazarus so that you may believe. You see, Jesus had sort of another motive here. Uh, back in September of 2009, in fact, it was 090909, so it's very easy to remember. Uh, I went in for a checkup, and it was my 50-year go-get-a-colonoscopy checkup. I never had one of these things before. And uh, so the doctor comes out when he's finished, and he says, Mr. Gerhardt, we have a problem. Like, Really? 
He's like, yeah, you got something in your large intestine. So the short of it was they did some tests and they found I had a tumor. I had cancer in my large intestine. And then they did some more tests and they found I had cancer in my liver too. It had spread to my liver. And I thought, well, this is kind of a bummer. And my wife and I were, um, yeah, that was my first thought. And then, of course, I thought, well, I could die. Well, that's a bummer, too. And then I thought, well, I could go to be with Jesus before anybody else gets there. That's pretty cool. So I have all these thoughts going on in my head. But, you know, after a while, after the initial shock wore off and as time started going on, we started thinking, you know, God, okay, I've got this cancer. You haven't healed me instantaneously and miraculously like we wanted you to. Lord, how might you be glorified in this situation? How can the way we handle this bring bring glory to you? And Lord, how could our faith be maybe bolstered and, and enhanced as we go through this process? And Lord, could we be so bold to say, God, how could other people, how can we affect other people? How, how can their faith be lifted up? And it was amazing. Like over the next two years, we had by the grace of God and the mercy of God, we had so many opportunities to meet with people, to talk with people, to pray with people. Other cancer patients at the center that I was at, we got to meet with them and pray for them. My sister, my, uh, my wife's uh, cousin, Tisha, passed away a couple years ago from, from cancer. But before she did, we had an opportunity. In fact, we went through this very story with Tisha just a couple months before she passed away. And, and her faith was emboldened and strengthened by the Word of God, about how Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. And she said, you know, I've got this fear of dying. I, I believe in Jesus, but I've got this fear of dying. And this story gave her new hope and new life. So I could go on and on with stories of how, of how God, God was just present and he was awesome through this time. Our faith grew I believe other people's faith grew, but I believe God was glorified by this situation. So I think that's what believers do. They say, God, it's whatever I'm going through, it's not really, in essence, about me. It's about you. It's about how you can be glorified. It's how people can come to faith. Now, like I said, I don't know what was in Martha and Mary's head when they were thinking these things. And when they said, Jesus, if you had just been here, my... My brother wouldn't have died. I don't know really what their core motivation or thinking was. But what if they were not chastising Jesus? What if they weren't carping and moaning and saying, man, if you didn't show up? But what if, rather, this was a response to their their pain and their suffering? What if they were just clinging to what they knew to be true about Jesus? They had spent a lot of time with Jesus. They had seen him heal many people. So what if they were simply acknowledging that fact and saying, Jesus, you could have healed Lazarus if you were here. I know that to be true about you. What if it was actually a bold profession of their faith when they said this? What if it wasn't really doubt or disbelief at all? You know, there's evidence of this. Uh, Martha says this in verse 22. She says, I know that even now God will give you, Jesus, whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, well, I know he will rise again at the resurrection at the last day. So you see, Martha knows a lot about Jesus. She's clinging 
to what she knows about him to be true. She knows about the resurrection. She knows that God the Father hears him, hears Jesus. And she's saying these things. She also confesses who Jesus is in the very next verse. Jesus said to her, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Martha says, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. I think Jesus is challenging Martha, and he's challenging you and I to really take a step back and say, you know, what do we believe in? What is our core belief? And Jesus asks her, he says, you know, he says, you know, Martha, do you believe in the resurrection? She says, yeah, I I believe in the resurrection. I believe it's something that's going to happen someday. She's still sort of uncertain that Jesus is talking about, hey, I'm going to raise Lazarus right now. But she does make a bold confession of faith. You know, she says, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who is to come into the world. That is her core belief. I think she kind of had to look down deep within her soul when he's talking to her, and she's like, what do I really believe? Well, this is my core belief. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. You're the one we've been waiting for. And it's this core belief that she's kind of clinging to and gives her the hope to trust in Jesus, even now, even in the face of death. So Jesus is trying to get her to see something a little bigger here, I believe. You know, he's trying to get her to see that it's okay to believe in the resurrection. I hope everyone here today believes that in the resurrection of the dead, that someday when Christ returns, there's going to be a resurrection. But you know what's even more important to believe? And Jesus is kind of nudging us and nudging Martha this way. Is he says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. I embody life. I embody resurrection. So the only way to experience the resurrection which you believe in over here is to put your faith and your hope and your trust in me today, right now, because I am the resurrection. Back in 2011, May of 2011, I got a checkup because I get these annual checkups, and they did another CAT scan and whatnot. And they found that I had another spot in my liver. So my cancer had come back. I had originally had surgery, uh, had a round of chemo and all that stuff, and I was doing really good, you know, no problems. So I went to the doctor, got a checkup, they found out it came back. And again, I thought to myself, no bummer, you know, this is not fun. And um, But actually, this time it went a little beyond that because, you know, Cindy and I had done all this research, and maybe we shouldn't have because it's just scary, you know. And we found out that when you get cancer in one place, that's bad. If it spreads to another place like it did originally, well, that's even worse. Your chances of survival go down kind of exponentially. But if it comes back again, if you have a recurrence, then your chances are even worse. You know, it's kind of amazing. I lasted four and a half years. So I'm I'm reading all this stuff, and I'm looking at all these statistics, and I'm talking to Cindy. And at some point in that whole process... I was actually studying these scriptures. Like I said, we were going through these scriptures with other people. But one day it just hit me. When Jesus said to Martha, do you believe this? 
It was as if God was speaking it right to me. He was like, Kent, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that I am the resurrection? Do you believe that your life is really found within me? Do you really believe that I'm in control of your life, whether it's 50 years or 60 years or 100 years? Do you really believe this? So I was challenged in my thinking. I was challenged in my faith. I'd been a Christian for 30 or 40 years, and, and yet I'm thinking, what's my core belief? What's that thing I get up for every day, regardless of how many days I've left? And ultimately, I had to say, yeah, I do believe this, Lord. And I had such a peace going through this whole last four years or so that God is who he says he is. Jesus is truly the Son of God. He's truly the Messiah. He's truly the one that we can get up and live for every day. And I just such a peace going through this whole thing. It was like, it was almost, it doesn't matter if I live or if I die. That's not really the point. It's how am I living for him? And we just had such a peace. In fact, there were probably times where I just wanted to go be with Jesus. I probably ticked off Cindy now and then because I was so like, wow, I could go see Jesus, you know? Um, But what's our core beliefs? I think part of being a believer, again, is saying, what is our core belief? What do we believe about Jesus? Do you cling to what you know to be true about him? Do you cling to those things? Do you confess with your mouth like the Bible says? We have to confess with our lips. That Jesus is Lord, he's the master, he's the savior, he's our healer, he's our redeemer, he's our rock, he's all of these things. Is that what we confess that Jesus is? So finally, at the end of the story, Jesus says to the attendants here at the grave, he says, roll away the stone. And Martha, I got, you got to like Martha, because, uh, you know, guys are kind of practical sometimes. We're practical, so I, I can get this. She says, no, don't do that. You don't want to roll away the stone. It's going to stink. It's going to be smelling. You know, he's been dead for four days. But, uh, in fact, we'll read it here from verse 39. She says, that by this time there is a bad odor, for he's been dead. But Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So Martha's still not really sure what's going on. Not really totally sure. But she does know this guy's been dead for a long time. And this is not a good idea to roll away the stone. Now, four days, I believe, is very significant. Because what Jesus is about to do has never been done before. Not that I could find in Scripture. Not by Jesus as presented in the Gospels. And that's raise someone back from the dead after they've been dead for four days. That's a long time. The body's decomposing. It's smelling. Some scholars believe that Back in those days, the Pharisees and the teachers, uh, they taught the people that when the Messiah comes, we'll know because there's certain things that he'll do that nobody else can do. And one of them was raising someone from the dead after four days. And there were other things they looked for too. Uh, healing a leper, casting out a mute demon, healing a man born blind. They're, these were all the things that Jesus was able to do, and that's what they were looking for. And there were lots of false messiahs back then. People would come along on a regular basis and say they did this miracle or that, and they would check them out, and they'd say, well, no, you haven't done these things, so you can't be the messiah. Jesus alludes to this, too. Do you remember John the Baptist? John the Baptist was thrown in jail, and he starts kind of questioning things a little bit, too. And in Matthew 11, it says this. It says, When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him. 
said, are you the one who has come, or should we expect somebody else? And Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you see and what you hear, the things that I'm already doing. He said, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. You see, that's what they were looking for. And Jesus is saying, I'm the guy. And in this context, he's saying, Martha, I know what I'm doing. I had to wait four days. I know he's going to smell. That's the whole point. So that God can be glorified. So that it's such a fantastic miracle that the only conclusion is that I'm the Messiah. That I'm the Son of God. And the other reason I'm doing this, even though you don't understand, is so that you and the other Jews and that people for all time can come to faith and can understand that I am the Messiah. So believers trust that God knows what he's doing. We trust that Jesus knows what he's doing, even when we don't see it and when we don't understand it. I'd like to ask Linda to come up. Um, Linda has been part of our house church for a while now, probably going on two years, I believe. And um, here we got a couple's benches here, stools. And I asked Linda if she wouldn't mind just sharing us a a little bit of her story today. Uh, Linda's got a great story, and I would characterize Linda, and I think she would agree, as someone who is growing in faith, growing in belief. And um, so, Linda, if you could just tell us a little bit, maybe just to get started, a little bit about uh, your spiritual life growing up, maybe when you were a kid or a teenager or something like that, just to give us a little perspective. Okay. Um, Can everybody hear me? I was born and raised Catholic, Um, went to church because my parents said, get in the car, it's time to go to church. Um, I don't think it was ever really a heartfelt connection for me, so when I got to a point where I could drive myself to church, I stopped going. Mm -hmm. Um, And then through the years, um, I will say it's not something I really thought about. I never lost my belief in God, but was not necessarily a regular church goer. Mm-hmm. So, um, how many years ago? Three? Probably four years three. ago? Yeah. Uh, Kent and Cindy invited me here. Kent was giving a presentation, uh, giving the message, I guess I'll say. And uh, had invite us, invited several of us to come, and, and I did, and was extremely moved um, by the whole thing, and Cindy was talking about house church, and I kind of went, um, what's that? I've never heard the term before. And she explained it to me, and, and they invited me into their home, into their hearts, and and I believe set my feet back on the path homeward. Hmm. Amen. That's why I'm here today. Awesome. Awesome. So tell us... Tell us a little bit about your journey in the last couple years. I know you've shared some stories with me of how sometimes you'll say, well, I just feel God is kind of with me. Sometimes I feel, you know, he speaks to me in certain ways. Um, I don't know, maybe you told me about the Salvation Army story uh, the other day, how God kind of led you. I don't know, just tell us a couple things from your life. And I'm sure that, that God being with me is something that never went away. 
I think it's just so in the last several years that I've come to recognize that for what it actually is. Mm -hmm. And um, well, I think I related to you too. One time I was uh, doing a play, uh, we're all part of DCP Theater, and I was um, a bit concerned for some sections of this particular play, but I, I got to a point where I just went, okay, here we go. And I could actually feel God's hand on my shoulder guiding me, you know, out onto the stage and the words coming out of my mouth. And I just went, wow, this is great. Because I honestly, as I was stepping foot out there, didn't really know what I was going to do because I didn't have a real firm grasp on the material. So that was quite a blessing. And, excuse me. And, um, well, just this past Christmas... Uh, we'd been working late, a lot at work, so it was well into the evening, maybe 7.30, 8 o'clock at night, and I was coming home from work, had to run into Kmart. So being it's Christmas time, the Salvation Army is represented outside Kmart with the gentlemen standing at their kettle. So I you know, dropped a few dollars in on my way into the store, and as I was coming out of the store, I could have been walking straight ahead to the parking lot to my car, but suddenly my feet were turning left. And I was approaching the man standing at the kettle, and I, no conscious thought in my head, but my mouth was saying to him, it's late and it's cold out here. Have you had dinner? There's a Burger King right over there. May I go get you something hot to eat? And he seemed very taken aback <laughs> and stood there for a moment and went, okay, that would be great. Great. What would you like? A burger, or chicken. I'm trying to push towards the chicken. <laughs> but, uh, so he said, "Yeah, a, a burger would be great." So I ran over to Burger King and I got him a burger. So I got him the 40% less fat fries right. to kind of counteract the burger a little. Good. But you know, hamburger, some fries, some chocolate mm-hmm. chip cookie. He didn't want anything to drink. He said he was good. He had some water. And I took it back, and and he just was kind of standing there, like, wow. Nobody's ever done that before. So, you know, I gave him his dinner and went on my way, but the rest of the drive home, I just felt a warmth, a peace. And it wasn't a, you know, hey, good for me, look at the good deed I did. It was just, I feel so good right now. Hmm. And I think that's because of, of this interaction that I was able to have with this person. And it, I just went, oh, wow, you know, thank you for guiding my feet left when I so easily could have just walked to my car and gotten mm-hmm. in and driven home. There was a reason for that. And maybe I brightened his evening a little. That would mm-hmm. be nice. Mm-hmm. But I just, it was... <laughs> Sorry, I don't have words. It was just such a wonderful, wonderful mm-hmm. feeling for me. Just this warmth and peace mm-hmm. and comfort. and mm-hmm. It was a great thing. Amen. Sometimes at House Church, we just call that a God thing. You know, that was one of those God things. <laughs> uh, the Holy Spirit, I think, was leading you and guiding you and literally guided you to the left. Yes, okay. you did. Very cool. Any other stories? Maybe one more you'd want to share with us? Something that's... I do. Okay, go for I it. I do, because this, this just happened um, Thursday. Um, my parents are uh, 84, and my father is not mobile. He's in poor health. And my parents and my older sister and brother-in-law were to be going to Buffalo to my younger sisters uh, the first weekend in May for my niece's first communion. 
Um, my father has ended up in the hospital since Tuesday. He's with kidney stones, so he's improving. But um, my mother has been fretting for a little while about this trip to Buffalo, and, and Dad really shouldn't be going. If we go, you know, maybe we can get a caregiver to come out to the hotel where they'll be staying to stay with him while everyone else is off doing all the things that they'll be doing. And in having some discussions with my mother, I said, well, maybe there's something else. I think it would be best for him, just my two cents, to stay at home in his environment. Maybe we can get a home care provider to come and stay with him for these four days that you'll be gone. So she was really fretting about this, and, and we did uh, a couple of times when I went to visit him in the hospital, prayed for some comfort for both of them and, and some guidance for her in this area. And Thursday, uh, when I was there to visit, she was telling me that she had contacted, it's called Family Caregivers in East Greenville. She has used this agency before when she's been going on day trips. Um, to come and, and stay with my dad. And she said, okay, I contacted them. They do 24 hours. It's $295 a day, and they would have someone available for this span of time. And I said, great. She said, okay, yes, I have this information, was basically what it came to. So Thursday evening when I was there after work, um, I was getting ready to leave, and she said, Again, okay, so you think that this is a good idea to have family caregivers come in with your father? I said, yes, he, I think he needs to be in his own environment because it's confusing for him to be taken out of that environment. So she said, okay, I'm calling tomorrow morning. I'm going to get us on the schedule. Great. She called me when she got home from the hospital, and there had been a phone message for her when she got home from my cousin who had just received her portion of an inheritance that came to my father and his siblings, all of whom are now deceased. So she got her father-in-law's portion, in the, a check in the mail. Not much, a little pittance actually. But for 30 some odd years, no one has seen any, any money from this particular inheritance. So she, her message to my mom was, so Donnie's check should be coming any day now. So my mom got home and called me and, and said she had this message, and, and Cindy said, well, according to the outline, Donnie's portion should be about $280. And I went, found money. And I almost jumped up off my sofa. I could feel myself bouncing, I think. And I said, Mom, do you see what this is? What? <laughs> This is a God moment. <laughs> Holy cow, don't you see it? You've been struggling with this decision, and this afternoon you've made that decision final. I'm going to call family caregivers and pay $295 a day to have someone come out and stay with Dad. God is saying to you, Margie, you made the right choice for this situation, and to show you that I support that, here is a day's worth of care. I'm going to see to it that one of those days, financially, is taken care of for you. Amen. And I just, I was so jazzed the rest of the night. <laughs> I think my cat thought I was insane because I couldn't sit still. <laughs> I'd sit on the sofa for a moment and I'd jump back up and I'm just walking around going, thank you. I just, and probably the upstairs neighbor, she could probably hear me shouting, so she <laughs> was probably wondering what was going on too, but I was just so jazzed 
the rest of the night because this was such clear evidence mm -hmm. that he not only heard us but responded in his unique, mm -hmm. loving, caring way. Mm -hmm. I, Amen. Wow. <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, thank you so much for oh, sharing welcome. with us today. I'm happy to do that. I see that. <laughs> <clears throat> I just love that. Man, that is awesome. I hadn't heard that story yet. That's a great one. But, you know, you see, I, I think today we've just scratched the surface of what belief is all about. But I think, and, and I hope that it's clear that biblical belief is, you know, moves way beyond just a casual acknowledgement that, yeah, God exists. Yeah, there is a God. Yeah, Jesus was a good teacher or whatever. I think today Jesus is saying to us, to the people of Renew, do you love Jesus? You know, do we love Jesus? And is that loving relationship the thing that lets us go to him and call on him when we have needs like care and whatnot? Would you be loyal to Jesus through any kind of an adverse situation? Do you tend to say, you know, Jesus, if you had just shown up then, something wouldn't have happened? Or do you tend to say, Jesus, you know what? Whether you show up or not, the way I want you to, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to believe. Do we cling to what we know to be about Jesus? Do we, do we cling to what we know is true about Jesus? Do we confess who he is? Do we confess who he is? And do we trust that he knows what he's doing? Do we really believe? Amen. <clears throat>